Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by Ashlyn Sullivan, Flyers pre- and post-game live host. And Ashlyn, last game for the Flyers did not lack headlines, storylines, <laughs> all of it. Joel Farabee and Travis Sanheim were benched for the whole second period. Tortorella puts them back in in the third. And then in the waiting moments of the game, Tony D'Angelo spears Corey Perry below the belt and kind of a melee breaks loose. You know, it's funny. This They're not playing meaningful games, but it doesn't mean they're not actually entertaining right now uh, for maybe bad reasons, but also for some good ones. But let's start off with Joel Farabee and Travis Sanheim. How do you feel like John Tortorella is handling this? Do you agree with it? And where do they need to go from here? Yeah, I think uh, I think Torts has no choice. And, and what stood out to me the most in yesterday's loss to the Lightning was I've never... In, in my time here this season, I've never seen Torts basically speechless. And that's the vibe I got in his post-game press conference, you know, being asked, why did you bench them? Are you seeing enough from them? What do you want to see from him? And, and he's just left being like, I, I've done all I can. You know, I've disciplined these guys multiple times. We're not seeing the results. What's the most concerning is these are two players that are making up $11 million of your cap space next season. And you're just not seeing the play progress for the dollar amount that these guys are making. He's put so much, I don't want to even say pressure. He hasn't really asked that much of them. Just just play up to the caliber of the player you're supposed to be. And then you go see them, you know, make mistakes that they shouldn't be making at this point in the season. Joel Fairby, two penalties in the first period. Travis Sanheim benched a couple of games ago and commits a penalty yesterday. It's He has no choice. Um, but I was surprised, and Scott Hartnell said this as well, when they were benched in the second period, we didn't think they'd be coming back. So I don't know if that was a case of you had no choice because you just need players at this point. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. They were going with basically nine forwards in the second period. That's the vibe I got. I think if it was up to Torts, he probably would bench them the entire game, but it seems like he doesn't have that option at this point in the season. I agree. That was the vibe I got as well. If they, if the circumstances were different, I think he would have sat them for the entire game mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the way, but they were so shorthanded um, and it would be a real bold move to, to sit those two players when you're, you're on a road trip and the games aren't getting easier coming up. Uh, you really need players to be out there and, and trying to make an impact, especially those two guys. Ashlyn, I thought it was just puzzling a little bit for me with Farabee because I thought he played one of his best games in a while. Uh, the previous game mm-hmm. on Sunday against the Red Wings, he was really active. Tortorella even said he, he could have had two or three goals. Mm-hmm. He didn't score a goal, but he just looked a lot more like himself. And then he assists Morgan Frost's goal to open the game. So I felt like he's starting to come along offensively. And I understand the penalties are bad and, and you can't have him against a team like Tampa. But then I just felt like you thwarted all the momentum he had built up offensively where you think he's maybe starting to come along. That one I just didn't understand. I just felt like he was starting to make some strides here offensively. And 
I just feel like the momentum's gone when you sit him for a full period. You know, that's a great point. And, and you get, when you look at Joel Farabee, and you know, for most likely it's such a confidence, it's such a mental thing right now. And, and you did feel it brewing. And to then have to sit the whole second period, you would imagine in Joel Farabee's sake, that confidence is now shot again. So yeah, it's it's a tricky situation there. I get the penalty thing. I get the reason for sitting. Joel Farabee to me just looks like a guy who is putting 110% into just scoring a goal or making something happen. It's been 23 straight games without a goal. And for Joel Farabee, you want to end this season at least getting a couple to make yourself feel better, to make everyone feel better. I see both sides. Um, I think the Sandheim thing's a no-brainer. The Joel Farabee one is is puzzling. But I, I just feel like there's no right answer there because I see the coach's standpoint and I see Farabee's like, I got to play. I got to get a goal. And I can't do that if I'm not out there. Yeah. And perhaps this is player and coach learning, learning one Each another. Other, yeah. Still, uh, Travis Sandheim. We talked to we talked to him about four days after he got benched in Calgary when the team got back home from that road trip, and he said there wasn't much communication from the from Tortorella or the coaching staff for why he got benched. He was pretty perplexed and puzzled, and he said he didn't appreciate it being in Calgary. And I asked him, I said, well, does that mean you have to seek out the coach, get the mm-hmm. message from him, say, hey, what's going on? Like, wh- why am I not playing? What do you want more from me? And he said, perhaps that's something I have to do in the future. I wonder if he'll do it here on the show trip, maybe seek a one-on-one with the coach and ask him what's up. Um, because I, I just can't agree with the benching without talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. it just to me, I just I don't think a player is going to be in the right frame of mind if he has no idea why he's being reprimanded right. uh, from the coach. And if that's Torrell's old school way of saying, come see me, let's talk, let's have some confrontation or some good conversation, then that's his way. But uh, young players and guys that are, you know, kind of up and down confidence wise, they might not do it themselves to, mm-hmm. to go out and seek the coach. But something needs to change there because it clearly didn't work the previous time with Farabee and Sandheim. They were you know, they, they got benched again. And I think there needs to be something that changes it. And I, I'm with you, Ashlyn. I was surprised because Tortorella looked like he was at a loss Yeah, the other night on post game live, but I don't fault torts for not seeking out the player and yeah. the coach shouldn't feel, feel sorry for them. You know, the play speaks for itself. And if you're an adult and you're an NHL hockey player making this much money in my mind, you should go seek out the coach. And if you truly want to get better and you truly want to help the team, then you got to overcome the awkwardness of, of sitting down with your coach. I mean, Scott Hartnell talks about it all the time, how often he got benched by torts and it would be a text message. Hey, you're not playing. Yeah. And it was up to him to ask why, you know, the coach gave you the information. You're not playing. If you want to figure out why that's on you. And I believe I heard Scott Hartnell said he had gone into his office at times yep. to say, Hey, what's up? And he said, sometimes it was confrontational, but at least they got their points across and they felt like they grew from it. And Travis Sandheim, same thing. He said he got a text message in Calgary yeah. the morning of the game. It's brutal. Playing. I mean, <laughs> I feel for the best. Right? brutal. Right. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, perhaps these are growing pains in year one of a coach and a player and the relationship there. I don't want to jump to um, rash decisions where I'm like, I'm not thinking these guys are a part of the future. I, I still think Farabee and Sandheim are important parts. Perhaps Farabee's got a longer leash because he's only 22. Mm-hmm. Sandheim, I believe, is 26 now. And I think the Flyers are really trying to think whether he's definitely a part of this, a foundation piece, the contract says he is, but yeah. that doesn't always uh, mean long-time job security, but definitely two things to keep an eye on Ashlyn. I would say as this road trip continues. Yeah. These last 18 games, you wanted to have progression of those two guys, because yeah. when you just look at the number, it's like, well, what are you supposed to do when, when those guys make, make up so much of your cap? And yeah. I think that's why the magnifying glasses on Sanheim, it's a much shorter leash. 
the age is there. And if you decide in these next 18 games, he's not, then you got to figure that out with that contract situation, because that just, that leashes this team so badly. Whereas Joel Faraby has the injury thing. And I think um, that has been so the storyline of his year. So I think he does have a longer leash one because of the age and two, because of the recovery of the season. I think you got to give Joel Faraby another year. You got to give him an entire off season to work on this. If we're at this point next year, different story, obviously, but, I think for Joel Faraby, you have to at least give him the one true offseason to see if this can progress. Could not agree more. And Sanheim's coming off a really good season and expectations. And yeah. there's no real reason why he shouldn't be playing better. I'm sure he would agree with that, too. He has talked about getting his confidence back and playing the way he should be playing. Mm-hmm. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Okay, Ashlyn, I am sure Scott Hartnell has seen some things in his day playing this game, whether it be <laughs> questionable decisions from a, the opponent. Uh, you know, we've known Brad Marchand has been known to lick a player from time to time. Uh, you see all crazy things in the ice when it gets heated. Mm-hmm. What was his reaction when he saw Tony D'Angelo take the stick and spear Corey Perry where no one wants to be uh, speared? Yeah, my favorite was we missed it because we were walking down for a post game. We okay. always miss like the most important aspects <laughs> of the game in those 20 seconds walking from the second to first floor. It's like a joke that we'll miss a goal when we something monumental in the game. So we walk up and all we see is 12 players on Tony D'Angelo. We're like, oh my gosh, what happened? He must have said something again. Well, <laughs> then we saw the replay and we were about to go live and, and Scott and all of us struggled to describe what happened because we didn't want to say anything inappropriate for television. So we were trying to find the the correct adjective and <laughs> we were we were told to say midsection, but we didn't think that really described what happened. So we were having trouble with the adjective there. But yeah, I mean Scott Hartnell said this is this is egregious. This yeah. is something and he un- he understood to a sense of when a guy is getting under your skin the entire game, you just there's times where a flip switches, you can't describe it. You go crazy for like 20 seconds and you recoup and you go, my gosh, why did I do that? He predicted that would be Tony D'Angelo later that night of why did I do that? But in the moment, you you can't think. You can't help yourself. But Scott and Al immediately said, oh, he'll be suspended and this will really hit his pocketbook, which it has. It has indeed. It came out uh, this afternoon uh, from the NHL Department of Player Safety. He suspended two games for that spearing. Uh, Ashlyn, you asked the question to me. You're like, what was the fine? I was like, you know what? It's funny. I didn't even read the full email. The fine was over $54,000, so not a cheap uh, play by any means. It may be a cheap and dirty decision by Tony D'Angelo, but he's going to pay for it. And I thought it was a shame because Tony D'Angelo gets a really bad rap, and anytime he makes any decision nowadays, people are going to jump on it, and they're going to criticize him for it. And I just felt like he had really made some serious strides here this year from being accountable to, to being a good teammate. We've talked to him in the practice locker room. I think he's a good guy. And I think uh, I just think he's done all the right things for, for most of this season. And then he does something like that where it's going to make headlines because yeah. of his past and what he's done and some of the things he's said. And uh, now it just gives people another reason really to, you know, criticize him and lash out at him and question everything about him as a person, as a player. Yeah. I think frustration got the best of him and he can't do it. It's inexcusable. I just, I looked at it too. And I I said to myself, that's bad. That's egregious. Yeah, it's bad. And we all can agree. It should not have been done. What I thought spoke volumes is towards post game. We were thinking, oh man, here we go. Is he going to rip him for this? And really he somewhat had his back and even said, you know, I wish some guys took the passion of Tony D'Angelo 
and pocketed it. I thought that was a bigger message because he easily could have said he hurt the team. What are you doing? And if anything, he was harder on Joel Farabee and Travis Sanheim, who obviously did not commit near what Tony D'Angelo committed. But Torts is never going to fall to guy. He says it all the time with Travis Konechny for having passion. It's just Tony D'Angelo needs to figure out when I use that positively. Exactly. And I wasn't super surprised when I heard John Tortorella's comments because he does. He he really likes Tony D'Angelo's fiery nature. He mm-hmm. told me in the summer when I chatted with him on the phone, uh, the Flyers were receiving a ton of criticism for going out and acquiring Tony D'Angelo. And he said, I I want that personality. I think personality wins championships. And he said he'd rather have that than a choir boy. And that told me, I'm like, <laughs> choir you know boy. Nice. I'm like, he, he likes Tony D'Angelo and the way he plays. Now, listen, there's a line to walk. And he did admit that post game is that you can't go too far. That was going too far. Uh, but perhaps he wants to see some of that fire from some of his other players. I don't think that's a terrible thing. No. I think he does want Travis Sanheim to play with more of an edge because he's a nice guy. And he even admitted Travis Sanheim's a nice guy, but sometimes you want guys to not be nice on the ice. You want them to play. And perhaps that's what he's looking uh, you know, out of him. But Tony D'Angelo will be out two games. I'm assuming uh, they'll just keep the same lineup, but they'll have to play a forward now, uh, Ashlyn, because they were going with 11 forward, 70. Mm-hmm. Now they'll have 60 and some forward will have to come in. Uh, I'm guessing it might be Kiefer Bellows, but we'll see. Who, who do you think uh, could draw in there? Yeah, that makes most sense. And right. just towards the, it's clear, doesn't want to have to do that. <laughs> I mean, look at the second period when they were pay- playing basically nine forwards. Um, so yeah, his hand's going to be forced there. Yeah. Uh, and it's already intriguing, the 11 forwards and 7D. So this may be spark something we aren't predicting yeah. is the only good thing that could come from this. We'll see. Yeah, and we're going to get into that more. But first, catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And speaking of, we are live here at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. Plenty of folks here watching you know, the conference tournaments for basketball, some soccer. So a lot of fun things going on in sports 24-7, and I think this is a good place to come watch it. Yeah. But Ashley, a big topic that I've, I feel like I've been getting tweets about it. Uh, why are the Flyers playing 11 forwards 7D? Uh, it's almost an indictment on Kiefer Bellows. I, I just think Tortorella is not very high on him and he doesn't trust him. refuses to play yeah. him. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I feel like he hasn't gotten a real chance, uh, but perhaps something's there where Tortorella doesn't trust him. Do you feel like this is sustainable? Can you keep playing 11 forwards and 7D? You feel like the Flyers need to eventually go back to the tra- traditional way of playing. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do this the rest of the year. No, you can't build your team around playing 11 forwards and 7D, but I wouldn't be surprised if I just don't think Torts cares. And I think Torts wants to put the best players he feels like are on the ice. And if that means seven defensemen, that's what it means. Um, And especially you would think with these last 18 games where he was so, I want to see what we have. I want to give young guys opportunities. I want to give guys that haven't got playing, playing time a chance. You would think that would mean, Kiefer Bellows and, and it hasn't. So that speaks volumes to me that Torts isn't going to play guys he doesn't trust in situations. So I think um, like Owen Tippett's a great example. Look at the ice time he's getting. This is a guy that's getting full advantage of these last 18 games. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if they roll with this the last 18 games, but my gosh, this can't be a blueprint going forward that you can follow. That's for sure. I know past coaches I've talked to, they they do not like playing 11 d They said it's pretty tricky. Like it just complicates things. Uh, but I agree. I think he understands they have to play games two to one, three to two. And what's a better defensive lineup? Probably putting Justin Braun in there over Kiefer Bellows. Right. Bellows is kind of known for his offensive upside. He's got a nice shot, but 
Um, can can he trust Bellows on a fourth line? I'm not sure. Maybe he doesn't feel like he's a fourth line player, and he's probably right now maybe not deserving of playing on the top nine. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I just don't think it's sustainable. I think eventually you got to look, you know, get back to playing the traditional way of twelve and six. Find a solution. Find someone that you think fits in your forward group and. And my gosh, you just you gotta score more goals. Score and, more goals. Hey, cocky, what? gotta need more forwards to score more goals. It's not, <laughs> exactly. It's not bring it's, a guy in. It's not rocket science. Prevent goals and score goals. Yeah. Um and what did Tortorella say last night? He's like, We can't freaking score a goal. I think he said he did. Yeah. So you know we uh, all were thinking yeah, it, yeah. and he said it. <laughs> they really are footing it offensively. That's when you knew when they went down big to Tampa, they lost five two to the lightning last night amid all the drama. Um, they beat the Red Wings on Sunday, three to one. So they didn't score a ton, but they found a way to defensively shore things up. Uh, but yeah, they're just not scoring goals. And when they went down three to one, four to one, you just knew that game was over. You know, it's over. Yeah. yeah. If the other team's going to score three goals, you know, sadly the Flyers can't have that offensive firepower. And, and that's when, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot and no wonder the frustrations there. No wonder, you know, they're struggling the way they are because you can't win like that. You know, that streak in January, they were consistently you know, putting up points, but we knew it wasn't sustainable. You know, you can only play like that for so long where you have the pressure, especially for Carter Hart. My gosh, if I let up three goals, we're done for. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's playing with so much pressure on his shoulders. Yeah. It's just not the right way for a 24 year old goalie to play to his credit. He's kept them in games and he's won them a lot of games, but, and they've been better. Don't get me wrong. They've been better for Carter Hart this year, but mm-hmm. uh, still they're in a dog fight to score a goal. And that's still a tough way to play for a goalie. Yeah. And one thing with the 11 and 7, Ashland, is uh, Tortorello said he does it sometimes in part because he wants to play Owen Tippett more. I feel like Tippett's just been one of their biggest positives. He's looking like he could be a real big-time player. Um, Originally, at first, I thought maybe a third-line guy to score 20 goals. He's looking like a top-six guy, maybe even a first-line player. Mm -hmm. Has he been one of the guys that just catches your eye every time you watch? I think he's the only positive these past couple of weeks. And and JJ and Jonesy went as far to say that they think he's first-line. They think he's shown that the past couple of weeks. And he's logging massive ice time, averaging 22 minutes the past couple of games. And I love we talked to Tippett a couple weeks ago, and and we were talking about him getting more ice time. He said, well, yeah, this is this is a no-brainer that Torts is trusting me with this time, and it's giving me more confidence because everyone is saying they believe in me to play these type of minutes. So Tippett, to me, the ceiling is so high to him. And and if anything, for Tippett, if he can end this year, you know, consistently playing the way he has, okay, well, at least his arrow is pointing up, and you know you can at least build around that, where Tippett, to me, he's the storyline of this past month so far. Yeah, and, and there was a lot of heat at the trade deadline, a lot of criticism for general manager Chuck Fletcher. Uh, but, hey, one trade he can absolutely say he did pretty well mm-hmm. and was the Claude Giroux trade last year, getting a future first-round pick and a player, Owen Tippett, who's playing well and looking like a piece, looking like almost an untouchable right now yeah. uh, because they value him that much. Ashlyn, I think this road trip, again, you're going to learn a lot about the Flyers. Like I don't think it's boring to me. I, to me, the games might not have meaning for a playoff race, but – you go into environments like Carolina coming up here on Thursday, a game we will have on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Ashland will have pre and post game live. You're going to learn about the Flyers, like how far off are they? Can their younger players play in the environment, these environments? Uh, do you feel like you're going to see something here from the Flyers moving forward? Yeah, and you see, I keep going back to the pride thing and Tort yeah. saying who's going to be on this bus in Philadelphia. I love that analogy. Who Who's in the seats? Yeah. Because And he keeps talking about subtracting first. So. Um, it's no secret there's pressure on these guys, and there should be. You're playing for your jobs. You're playing for your contracts. You're playing to stay here in Philadelphia. Um, and I will, I do think, you know, Scott, Al, and I talk about it all the time. There's going to have to be a ton of 
moving pieces here of, of how you're going to reevaluate this roster because you can't, it's not working. You can't keep it the way it is. And, and Scott was talking about it last night. He's like, I know these guys, I'm friends with these guys, but this can't be sustainable. You can't just keep this roster and think it's going to be better next year. You're going to have to figure it out. So there's a ton of pressure in that storyline. My gosh, that's like headline TV of, of they're fighting for their jobs here because Torts doesn't know them anything. You know, he's going to be here and he's going to decide who's here. So you better please him. You better impress him these last 18 games. Yeah, last summer, the Flyers didn't do a whole lot in terms of shaking up their roster. But I think part of that was because they have a first-year head coach. And yeah. they knew they weren't going to win this year. They had injuries. So a lot of it was, let's give our young players a chance to play, see where it goes. I think this summer could be a lot different. It could be some big decisions, some tough de- decisions. You um, hope so. It has to be. It has to be. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because as we know, uh, you know, the management and, and this regime has come under some fire uh, for – perhaps the lack of aggressiveness in the summer and at the trade deadline. And I think just one of the biggest storylines that right off the hop against the Hurricanes will be Joel Farabee and Travis Sanheim. Oh, yeah. What kind of role do they play? Uh, how do they respond? Is that going to be one of the biggest things you're watching early in that first period? I just, I hope Joel Farabee gets a goal. I just, <laughs> just, just please, like, I see him. I'm, yeah. trying. I'm like, come on. Like, we all want it for him because if anything, I've appreciated how he's responded in this situation where very easily could he have just ridden off into the sunset and skated around and just not have been seen, but he has been seen these past couple of games. So I credit him that he's not, he's not okay with this. Um, so yeah, we're all, we're all pulling for him, you know, especially those scoring chances a couple games ago it was like, we were like sitting on the edge of our seats, hoping it would happen for him because you just want this 23 game streak to break for him. Yeah. The human element you feel for the kid. Yeah. You forget he's only 22 and um, he's very much a piece of the future. And, I hope people are patient with him because I just think the sky's the limit for him. And Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, coming off the injury, uh, he's clearly dealing with it. But to his credit, hasn't made excuses about it. Yeah. Says he needs to be better. Uh, I don't think you always see that kind of maturity from a a kid his age. Uh, He very much gets it. And I think uh, be patient, see how he does over these final stretch of games. And I agree. I think it could do wonders for his confidence if he gets a couple and at least feels like he was himself again the rest of the way. Yeah. Could help him going into the summer. Yes, you hope so. Yeah. But plenty to watch. Uh, the Flyers road trip continues Thursday, as I mentioned, against the Hurricanes. Ashland will have pre and post game live for us on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And then the team is on a national broadcast on Saturday against the Penguins in the afternoon. So a lot more to evaluate, a lot more to analyze. We'll have it all right here. Ashland, thank you so much. Great to see you. Great thank chatting you. with you. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru. <laughs> and Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your Flyers podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. 